739 News Radio 92.3. A little cold, a little overcast, a little wet. It's all right. I don't mind. You know, a little bit of this is fine. It's a break in the in, in the temperature, you know, in, in terms of the normal Pensacola, sunny and hot all the time. Uh, Chip Simmons, our uh, sheriff in Escambia County, he's here in studio with me, Chip. Uh, welcome back to the show, sir. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm great. Doing great. Um, I definitely want to talk about the Uvalde report with you. But before we get to that, we had two pretty high profile uh, crimes. But so I do not forget before either of those. Last week had several reports of and somebody sent me a picture of Escambia deputies on Three Mile Bridge driving three abreast in all three lanes slow. And I'd never seen that in Florida. I've seen it in California. I've seen like they weave back and forth to shut all five lanes or whatever, but I'd never seen it. And it didn't seem like there was any incident. So I didn't know what was being done. Can you shed any light on the event, the tactic? Is this something we should expect more of? You just tell us what's going on. Yeah. You know, but um, I get the word that, that, oh my gosh, people are running drones and this is a picture of deputies running drones. No one's running drones uh, and speed enforcement. And the, the deputies were driving three abreast. I saw the, the video as well. Um, they were going to speed limit. I'm not sure you know, why people complain about deputies driving the speed limit. Well, that's but slow in, on yeah. Three Mile Bridge. That's well, 40 miles under. It's the speed limit. So, <laughs> and, and it's just odd that people would call and complain that the deputies were going to speed limit and not letting people pass them. Um, so it's a little odd to me to hear that. But what, what they were doing, there's two things, as I understand it, when I, when I did some looking into it. One was they were doing uh, some inspection on the bridge, and they were they were escorting some of the people that were doing the inspection. And the second thing was someone was someone had hired uh, the deputies for an escort, and, and, and they were they were doing that. We do that. We do escort people all the time throughout okay. town. Um, and it's as simple as that. They, they hired deputies to do an escort. They, they needed the, the entire lane. I don't know what they were escorting, to be okay. honest with you. I don't know what equipment it was, but you've seen some of these large-scale large equipment. Sure. They, were, they were paying for it, and the, and the road wasn't stopped. The deputies were going to speed limit, and apparently that irked some some drivers. That that how dare we go? How dare you go forty five on, on the on the bridge? Okay, um, fair but, enough. But it was no there was no drones involved. Okay, fair. And we we had heard this, and we were kind of concerned if there had been something. But that makes perfect sense. As often, the story is not much of a story. But it's that's not, fine. It's, I'll, yeah, I'll take it's not it. near as exciting as you, <laughs> you right. think. Uh, meanwhile, we had two different stories. One um, as a domestic violence case out of Bellevue that started with SWAT serving an arrest warrant. Is my understanding? Is that right? Well, I think it's the one you're talking about where an individual shot his, uh, I think it was his girlfriend, in the abdomen. Yes, And yes. she went across the street and reported to us, and then we had um, a arrest warrant. Is what, what happened was once we got the information, um, he was a barricaded individual. We went to the house. He was inside the house, and so we treated that as a barricaded okay. situation. Okay, so SWAT was a response we after. We perimeter, I got it. Okay. And, then, and then we, and we um, applied for an affidavit for attempted murder because he shot her in the abdomen. Okay. Um, and that's what we did. We, we, um, we methodically took down the window. We took down the front door. We took down the garage door. We pumped some gas in there uh, all the time trying to make conversation with this individual only to find out that he had taken his own life sometime before, either before we got there or just as we were getting there. And just, I say this, we've said it many times, but I know not everybody here is even for a long time listening. They might have never heard us say this, but SWAT is not there to go Rambo style in busting down doors and shooting people. SWAT, I mean, they can do that, but SWAT is there to save lives and they will wait and patience and delay as long as it takes to do that. Five, 10, 15 hours sometimes, right? I mean, can do. Sometimes. It's rarely going to take that long, but you know, if, if it's a barricade situation where there's no other person inside, mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have time once you get the SWAT team there, because again, the SWAT team, there may be, there's probably a couple of SWAT team members on each shift. So there's always someone there with a, a SWAT element and tactical training. 
but not necessarily the whole team there. So it could take 40 minutes to get the whole team there, mm -hmm. the Bearcat, the Rook, whatever, whichever one of those, those pieces of equipment that we want. So it, it's the SWAT team does set up the perimeter, and, we did, and part of the SWAT team element is the hostage negotiation or the negotiation team. So we do try to, to make contact with individuals, as you mentioned. We certainly would rather the person come out, and most of the time they do. Most of the time, as soon as SWAT gets there, they they give up. They, they decide, you know, we're serious about this, and and, and they decide it's and not And that's great it. news. That is that is life-saved. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, and we're actually going to come back to that when we talk about the Uvalde case because that distinction between barricaded individual right. versus Something others is made, a right. very important distinction. Uh, there was also a weird, awful, terrible story on 66th Avenue involving, I guess, the— the son was cutting himself, and the mom tried to stop him, and this wound up in the stepdad killing well, the son. Is that right, or something like this? Sort of. There was, um, again, tragic yes, uh, situation. Um, there was a uh, what I call elderly uh, mother, and then her 38-year-old son were in, in the house, uh, and so was the mother's boyfriend. Okay, boyfriend. The mother's okay. boyfriend was in another room at the time. Um, mother and son get into an argument. Son decides that he's going to get a knife and start to cut himself. Mother, doing what mothers do, tries to stop her son from hurting himself. Right. Ends up, during that altercation, getting cut herself or stabbed herself. Um, and then the boyfriend comes in to try to help the mother. Yeah. Um, he does the same thing, tries to prevent the 38-year-old from cutting himself. Or, and then uh, the 38-year-old son turns the aggression towards him. And then there's one a single stabbing. Um, and, and the 38-year-old is, is deceased from that from that stab wound. So the investigators get there, and they determine, you know, it, it was reasonable at the time to believe that that individual or another, mm -hmm. um, life was in danger, and, and the, the action was taken was reasonable. So it, it, it went from a trying to help to the person harming herself, turned on the helpers, and then it becomes a self-defense case, and it's a horrible outcome. It's a terrible, ter tragic outcome, but that's where There's, we're at now. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, I wasn't here in the 70s, but uh, the 80s, there was a lot of suicide attempts, and law enforcement would intervene. Mm. Not necessarily local, but I've heard a lot of, a lot of the training that we went through because I was a SWAT commander for a long time, and we would be called to suicidal threats. Yeah. An individual would have a knife, and, and taking action sometimes causes that, and then we end up having to injure somebody. So law enforcement throughout the country have stopped um, responding to suicidal threats where you're the only one in your house. Uh, we, we, we don't respond like we used to, where we intervene like, like this because, because it the endangers the, the law enforcement. That, that, that an individual can get injured, and it, it's just become the standard for, for uh, mm. response. You know, when I read the sort of the summary of the, the things that it pointed out, you know, it, it's hard to see anything that was done right. It seems like they, did, they, they couldn't have, it's like they did, like they almost went out of their way to do things wrong. But I don't know. I'm not a law enforcement officer. I'm not training these things. I know you guys train in these all the time you've sadly had to respond to this Annie Pensacola shooting of course I've seen some of your training when you used to do it at uh, you know uh, the old Woodham High School or Woodham Middle School at the time but um, you tell me your reaction to the uh, Uvalde report what did you learn if you learned anything what did you see what did you think uh, well I'm disappointed obviously in the law enforcement or if you can call it that uh, response to the, to the situation I, re I reviewed the, the report because we always look at these things and critique others so we can critique ourselves right um, I, I think that we're in a situation where we can talk from experience unfortunately um, and and then with all the training and all the stuff that we've done on other other type of situations um, um, I think that if you look at the report, the number one thing is they failed to respond. You know, we talk about it all the time. We go to the active shooter. We go to the to the threat, and and that's again we 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 correlate everything to 
what happened at NAS, and we went to the threat. We had a couple different teams. We didn't wait until a whole team set up at one door. When you had one or two people there, they said, let's go in. Uh, at the same time, one or two people at another door went in that way because um, this is a chaotic environment. Yeah. It's, they're always chaotic. And and to say that, that you have a policy, you go A, B, C, D, it, to me is is unreasonable. You use it as a guide. You train that way so that it's second nature to you. And, and you don't have to think about it as much. You just do it. But the number one thing to do is go to the threat. You don't stop and think, oh, we have a barricaded such, such uh, individual in there and, and not go to the threat and try to save lives. And so that's, to me, that's the number one thing. Had they done that one part, the rest of it would be just, just incidental um, and, and you know, to the chaotic environment. Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm rather disappointed in what they've done. I'm surprised. I think at one point there was a police chief from the school and a police chief from an agency that were within 10, 20 feet of each other and never coordinated efforts, never, never talked to each other. It took, I want a park ranger and someone else to come in there and say, Hey, let's go, let's, let's go in this door. Yeah. They waited so many minutes and then they waited, I want to say 40 minutes to get a key to a door. I can tell you at NAS Pensacola, we, we had, in fact, we put videos out every, every December the 6th and, and video is the, some of the radio transmissions and you can hear Different in hindsight, you can hear descriptions that aren't that aren't valid, that aren't true. Uh, a long gun. You had two different people. We had I think automatic a, weapon fire. Automatic even. weapon. Yeah. You had all these reports coming in, so we didn't know what we were going to run into, but we knew what we were going to go do. We mm-hmm. knew we were going to go inside there. So, but my point is, when you when you start to to look at all these different scenarios uh, in intelligence gathering type of of, of situation. The bottom line is you got to go to the threat. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to the threat and then allow them to do their job. The only exception to that is if you're sure it's a barricaded individual with nobody else to harm. Yeah, we talked a little bit which about is the what one we talked about before that, thing, and which is can. what they say they thought it was, which made no sense given ongoing shots and the 911 calls and, and everything else. Uh, by the way, I I know your phone was going off, and if you need to check it, your your job as sheriff comes before this interview on the air. <laughs> so if you need to check it, uh, you know, and make sure that it's not an urgent thing, because if it is, we'll let you go and take care of it. You good? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Okay, but right, we had just it. to give an idea. We had a on our way over here. We had a home invasion call go out, just so your listeners can kind of understand. And so, you know, we had our, um, our, our channel on emergency just this morning, just okay. coming in here. So I'm listening to it, home invasion going out on, on, on the west side of, of, of town. And so as I'm listening, then coming to find out it was some, you know, that they, they, they gave the names of the people that were the home invaders. Mm-hmm. And usually that's kind of, okay, so you know who it is. It could be a domestic situation. It could be, it's still real. We still respond with lights and sirens. Um, then ultimately it was a dispute over money. You know, so the, a lot of times the information we get is not necessarily the information that ends up being. So right. in that situation, are we going to go in there with our guns drawn and, 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 and kick doors in? No, we're going to evaluate the situation as we go. But in the Uvalde situation, getting back to that, you heard gunfire. You right. know that, that this is a real-life situation. You don't need a key. Yeah, you know, to try to kick a door in, do whatever you can. At NES Pensacola, after the, the, the gunman was, was killed, there were other reports that other people were there. So we had to clear every room. And we had to do that in, 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 a, in a tactical way. And, and we, we tore up a lot of doors. And it would have taken them two years to fix the building because of everything that was, that was torn up. Um, you know, but, but you have to do that. You have to make right. sure that that place is safe. You know, I was, I was talking about this earlier um, that what was so f- – what. I realized today, actually, that what's so frustrating about the Uvalde failure is we celebrate law enforcement for your willingness to put your life on the line for me, my family, our friends, the state of society, law and order. 
but of course built in that is the expectation that when that is needed that's what you do and so we love the fact that you do that for us and honor it rightly so and when that's not done it's you know that love is uh, betrayed you know is what it looks like i did want to just before we let you go i wanted to ask you a um uh, about the information flow because that was one of the other parts of this report is people were told their kids were alive and their kids were not or they were taken to the wrong places and there, there was all kinds of failures after even the event was over managing the casualties and i wanted to see if you had any thoughts about what can we learn from that well and, and you always think about that and again this is not anything new that that is something you have to consider we go to training all the time and we and we go over the pulse nightclub shooting mm-hmm. there's there's a couple in california that we've gone over even as far back as columbine we we go over those things and we step by step what did you know beforehand? What did you miss? Mm-hmm. And then what happened when you first got there? And then and then after that, what you did when you got there, you know, the action that you t- you've taken. And then the post-incident uh, uh, response, the setting up the, the, the um, you know, the, the, the incident location, the, the, re- the, what, the, the place where they can come and reunite with their, with their loved ones. So there's all of these things that you got as, again, as a checklist. But, but, again, it's easy to teach a class. It's easy to talk about something. But you have to understand that every environment is going to be chaotic Mm -hmm. and every environment is going to be a little bit different. So if you train to do just to me, you have to do a couple of things. You train to go to the to the threat, um, no matter what what takes place. And again, uh, if you can if you see another guy going with you, hey, come with me, let's go to the store. And and what it takes is leadership. And it doesn't take leadership necessarily from the sheriff or the police chief. Mm -hmm. It takes leadership from the person that's there at the scene. And as as uh, you know, my, my chief deputy says, yeah, if one person had had said, let's go inside, then then others would have followed. You right. hope, you know, right. it's not one of those things where you say, let's go inside, and you find yourself by yourself. Um, that's not that's not that's not a good thing. Uh, but again, you you can say, hey, let's let's go. We know what's going on. You what you do in, in law enforcement response. And I'm assuming this happens in the military, although I haven't been in a war situation. Um, you get not tunnel vision, but you you get in a zone. Where what you're going to do, you know what your job is, is is like. You don't necessarily hear the gun the gunfire. I've I've been in situations where where the gun you know gunfire is exchanged and you don't really hear it because you have a job to do. Hmm. You're ultra focused on this one thing. So if it, it takes just that one leader to say, "Let's we're going in this door. We're going to save these kids at any risk," and and that's what we did at NAS Pensacola, and and that's what I wish they would have done at, at Uvalde. Absolutely, Sheriff Chip Simmons, sir. Thank you keeping us safe. Thank you for training to keep us safe. And thank you for sharing some time with us this morning. You know, I always appreciate it, sir. You bet. Y'all take care. All right. We'll see you next week.